0: Welcome to this episode of Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris and Music Tribes Unite News. Talking about all things music with celebrities, artists, music business insiders, and more. Richard Shelton, how are you doing today?
1: I'm very well. Good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, um, we were just talking, actually, pre-show. So you're originally from England, obviously, but you live yes. in Los Angeles now. H- how long have you been in Los Angeles?
1: Nine years. I mean, it's gone like that, but nine years I've been here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Time kind of kind of speeds up in in, in Los Angeles.
1: <laughs> I mean, it does. I mean, it, it, I think like us all. You know, I lost two years of you know, and I sometimes think, where the yeah. hell did those? years ago. And I see people who I saw before the pandemic, and it feels like I saw them just the other day. You, you forget that there was two years where we were kind of seeing nobody other than on screen. So uh, it's right. gone very fast, very, very fast. So you,
0: um, you're you known for many things. You're an award-winning actor, um, award-winning uh, Broadway West End um, performer, um, and also an amazing singer. And you're probably best known singing-wise for your Sinatra and your love of Sinatra. Uh, yeah. which, which is great because I I also love uh, Mr. Sinatra's music. Um, tell me yeah. how that how that happened for you.
1: Well, I mean, so Frank Sinatra is somebody I was aware of, even from a t- I'm I'm from a very small town, um, uh, you know, a, a nondescript place in in the UK called Wolverhampton. And as a six year old child, I remember seeing a photograph of somebody called Frank Sinatra as a kid, and the resemblance was was incredible. I said to my mother, "Who is this? Who is this person, Frank Sinatra?" I mean. He looks like me, and my God, he does. And then fast forward to 14 years old, let's say my father was big into big band jazz swing. So I grew up absolutely embedded with that music. And of course, Sinatra formed part of that catalogue. But I put on the My Way album. I was fourteen. I remember distinctly singing into a drumstick. My dad had some drumsticks. I went, and even at that age, I knew the cadence of the voice. I knew that I knew, implicitly knew the lyricism, um, and it, it felt like a very natural fit. Um, fast forward again. Fast forward again. Um, I was working the jazz circuit in the UK, and uh, the opportunity came up to audition to play Frank Sinatra in the drama Rat Pack Confidential. And that was a look at the underbelly of the five men in the Rat Pack. So Frank Dean, Sammy, Joey Bishop, Peter Lawford. So it was an expose of what was going on behind the blue eyes. You know, the feigned anger. The,
0: yeah, because it's, um, it's a big story.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The mercurial quality, how he could charm. You know, he when he sang Fly Me to the Moon, you were up there with him. When he sang Angel Eyes and One for My Baby, you were the only person at 2 a.m. in the bar with him. So it was an expose on how did how did that manifest, um, and then went on to play him again in, in another drama called Sinatra Raw. So um, uh, yeah, there's there's a big legacy between me and Frank Sinatra.
0: And I think, you know, and and maybe a lot of Americans don't realize that there is a, a large love of jazz in England, in particular. I was actually just covering the London Jazz Festival in November. And there's all, all manner of, of jazz music and, and and Sinatra kind of he, he straddles the line between jazz and pop because obviously his songs were huge. Um, do you think a lot of that, too, came from from the war? A lot of music was being imported into England. Is that kind of part of where that came from?
1: I do. And I think that, uh, I mean, that the British have always been known for being quite avant-garde in their music taste, almost ahead of the curve. Now, what I mean by that is, or why it's relevant to Frank Sinatra, is there was a period of time, of course, where Frank Sinatra couldn't get arrested. You know, he was he was flying high, and then it was shot down, and you know, it really, he implicitly knew the meaning of the lyrics. That's life. You know, uh, I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a, you know, there was a period of time where the Brits really um, lovingly. Embraced Frank Sinatra when in America he was down on his luck, so he was playing regional theatres um, in strange places, Liverpool, Blackpool. I mean, even tiny theatres in outside of the centre of London, um, and people went crazy for him. So I think he always he resonates very, very profoundly in Britain. People, I, I would say that the, the 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 Brits absolutely love Frank Sinatra, and I think he. I think he liked them, too. My impression is that he was very fond of the UK.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, what I notice about the UK and Europe in general is that artists tend to be held in higher esteem, maybe, than the United States. I don't know if you feel that or, you know, what your Um, thoughts are on on that.
1: Yes, I think because it's a smaller place. Obviously, anybody who goes to the UK, they're, they're welcomed with open arms and certainly anything American. The Brits tend to look at Americans as... Yeah, it's kind of cross-pollination. And they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're from Hollywood. They're from Las Vegas. Uh, right. you know, they're amazed by it. So, um, yeah, I think they do revere and and I think, I think amaze is the word. There, there's that when an American artist tends to visit Britain, they... It, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah it's and
0: still, I, I always tell people too, like London is such a great music sound. You know, I mean, not, not only London, obviously Liverpool and those places. There's so, so many great musicians that have come out of there and, and very well known for many different genres, of course. Um, yeah. and one of the reasons why we're talking is because you have a new album coming out and yeah. it's an Englishman in love in L.A. So tell me about yeah. the title, first of all,
1: because <laughs> that's a good title. <laughs>
0: it's a it, oh, it, it, it triggers a lot of questions, I like,
1: yeah. I mean, honestly and truly, it was inspired by <clears throat> uh, Frank Sinatra and Quincy Jones's um, collaboration, LA is My Lady. Um, okay, there you go. It was about, it's about new beginnings. It's about, I was 50 years old when I came to live in America. I came to live in LA and I didn't know a soul. I didn't know anybody. <clears throat> I just had a pocket full of dreams like everybody. And um, and I was in love with the opportunity, I think is the way of putting it, of having a go. Just, just live, you know what, we... We come this way but once and you're a long time dead. You might as well give it a go. Exactly. And, um, and that's, that, that's the, the, that song, An Englishman in Love in L.A., was written by a, another Brit uh, friend of mine, Alex Rudd, who was coming to America for the self-same reason that I was. It, and it transpires. He's the BBC Young Musician of the Year. So we wanted to celebrate. The, 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 the lyricism of the song talks about new beginnings. Um, I mean, it swings like the clappers, as they say. You know, it it sounds like something Sinatra might have sung, but it's original. And and I think that set the tone for the album. The album then goes on to talk about various stages of love. So good love, bad love, you know, love that's, um, you know, there's a Beatles song and I love her or there's... um, Yeah,
0: it's a common theme throughout history, throughout
1: life and music, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All all ties together but there's also there's two songs that the as you have the high you have to have the low so there's there's some real swingers and some zingers but there's also a couple of ballads that really are heartbreaking there's one in particular called over like the roses it's an original song and um it talks about i sang it in uh, in london just last week and um even i was kind of like whoa, uh, wow this tugs at the heartstrings yeah all been, um But it's as important to have that as it is to to sing of you know the giddy happy times like we do in Lost and Found. You know, it's uh, right.
0: And I think the thing about one of the things about Sinatra in particular was that there was a lot of truth. And even though the lyrics, he didn't write the lyrics necessarily, but he he, the way he delivered them, you believed him. And I think that that's a a really crucial thing that even new artists. That's a really big point. It's like, you have to be, it has to be there, that the authenticity has to be in, in, in implicit in what you're doing, right?
1: 100%, Daryl, I mean, uh, the, you know, the thing is that um, Frank Sinatra is quoted as saying, the lyrics come first, that's not to demean the music, but the lyrics come first, because if you can tell the truth of the song lyrically, you can't go wrong, you can sing a bum note, you can, you, you know, you you singing, good singing, good storytelling, is not about making the right notes or the right sounds all the time. It's about conveying a message. And if you can convey the message, you, you, got it, you got it made.
0: Well, in a different genre too, you know, Willie Nelson, a lot of people would not necessarily consider Willie an
1: amazing singer, but what he
0: does have, he has extreme authenticity in what he does. Do you believe him? You know, and that, 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 that's a gift, right? That's such a rare thing.
1: Absolutely. I mean, like you say, I, I don't necessarily, I would never listen to Willie Nelson because it's not my vibe, but I, when, I, when I hear him, I can hear how masterful he is, you know, and, and I feel, if you like, safe listening to him because I know how good it is, or let's say the Rolling Stones, again, that's not my natural uh, turn to, but I can hear how good it is, you yeah. know. Uh, and they're telling great stories.
0: And the other part with those with those artists too is that you hear two notes and you know who it is, and that that yes. is a, such a rare thing. And Sinatra also had that. You know, he he sang the first two words of any song, and you know, oh, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> you know? yes, yeah. Um, and then actually, so last week you were actually um um on the BBC, yes, um, which was a great. I listened to that; that was great. Um, mm-hmm. and you've had interactions with the BBC Orchestra, a, s- a number of different orchestras. Tell me what that's like for you with. With doing Sinatra, because that's a whole other level of 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 uh, <laughs> you know e- expressing, right?
1: Mm, Yeah, it is. I mean, when when you're when you're with a big band or an orchestra, the the it's like being it's like being an astronaut at the top of the rocket. As right. It's just exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you
0: just you just stand there with as you're, as you're, they're surrounding. I've I've done quite a bit of that myself. You stand there, yeah. and sometimes I'll pull out my inner monitors. And I'll just go, "Wow, this is like." Who Gets to do this,
1: <laughs> I know, and, and, and the thing with orchestrations like that as well is when it starts, there's no stopping it, you've got to keep going. Um, I remember, I, I mean, I have played with some wonderful orchestras and some wonderful big bands, um, uh, all over the world, but there is one moment that really stands out for me. So, um, I mean, we, we're talking about my relationship with Frank Sinatra, which is really prominent, predominantly as that is as an actor. I, I know how to convey him. I know how to evoke him. I don't know how to mimic him, but I, I it sort of comes from the inside out. But one thing that is peculiar is that his tuxedo walked into my life, literally. And I'd always heard that I'm the same dimensions as Frank Sinatra. And this was born out when I went to this antique store where somebody was a uh, TV producer had said that a friend of hers was selling this tuxedo. And I put it on. And it is an identical fit. And it was made in London. Anyway, I cut a very long story short. Um, Roger Moore, James Bond features in the story, but that's for another time. Um, yeah, we, all, I was we all in, love him. Oh, it's <laughs> great. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was in um, Johannesburg working with the um, Johannesburg Big Band. And I was wearing the tux. And I think we were halfway through. Um, uh, I've got you under my skin, I think it was. And for a nanosecond, and I mean a nanosecond, I got this kind of chill on the back of my neck. And I thought, I'm I'm hearing this music played gloriously. I'm wearing this man's tuxedo. I'm evoking the spirit. This is what it must have felt like to be Frank Sinatra. Just for a second. I kind of thought, no, come on, get back to work. Get back to work.
0: (laughs) I mean, even I I would Um, think even, even him, you know, he must have had those moments on stage where, wow, how did this all happen, right? Because he was this, just this just young guy trying to make something happen, yeah. and uh, and he just—I mean, I wouldn't say he got lucky, but, but but he he had the talent, and luckily somebody recognized the talent.
1: And he fought, didn't he? I mean, he was a fighter, and I like that about him—that he was a <clears throat> what what we might say—I don't know if it translates—but you might call him a scrapper—is um, where somebody gets stuck in, and they and they they're passionate. He was a passionate man, you know. Which is good and bad and yeah, he, was compli- he was complicated he
0: was <laughs> complicated.
1: Very complicated man. Yeah. But he um yeah, he believed in himself. And I, you know, good for him. Good for him that he believed in himself. You know, that's it's it's important. Not to be, I, I I don't get the sense with him that he was braggadocious or that he was vainglorious. I just think he knew what he wanted, and, and he knew how talented he was. And that, that's also frustrating to try and get it out. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, I think he was tremendous. Hey,
0: it's it's a tricky, yeah. That's a tricky business. And, I, and I've had we were talking before the show that I, I've actually have worked with a lot of people that worked with Mister Sinatra, um, Tony O, who was one of his right hand man, uh, Vinny Falcone, who was his conductor, and Danny Falcone, who's his son lives here in Vegas. And when I first came to Vegas, a lot of those guys were still around. Of course, now they would be. You know, they've, they've a lot of them have passed on. But um his his in, in Las Vegas in particular, you felt the weight of him here <laughs> when I per- I came here in nineteen eighty eight. So he was still he was still oh, around, right. you know. Um, yeah. but that 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 kind of there wasn't really anybody since then except baby Elvis that had that kind of weight, I think.
1: Mm. Yeah, it started to it started that 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 whole genre of icons just started to diminish didn't it like i think you're at elvis maybe i guess barbara streisand was sort of coming around Uh, but beyond that yeah a whole other world a a glamorous world i think
0: so you um on your album you actually have some of his musicians um so let's talk about that a little bit and also the album is coming out i should say on um 420 right uh, April twentieth. Okay,
1: great.
0: Twenty second. Oh, 22nd. Okay, got got you. So yeah, so tell us about the recording of the album because I, I would say that um people definitely need to check it out because it sounds amazing. I mean, Thank you, you you sound great. The music is is so well done. It's it's really I'm excited for people to hear it.
1: Thank you. Um, yeah, we recorded. I came. You know, it, I came to somebody gave me some great advice when I got to a, um, Los Angeles, and um, and it is a it's. I'm very used to London. I'm very used to European cities. I've never lived in New York, so to come to LA is its own journey. And uh, yeah, it's it's a journey, but it can, be, it can somebody...
0: be a little overwhelming. <laughs>
1: okay. um, I remember somebody saying to me, "Don't." It, it almost sounds like JFK. Don't ask what LA can do for you. Ask what you can bring. What you can give. And that's good advice. I'm going to remember that. So the minute I got here, I set about um, orchestrating the album in collaboration with my British producer and arranger, and we booked capital. I mean, we we just called them up and said, hey, we've got an album to record. They couldn't have been more welcoming. Um, we put together a killing band. You know, like I said, there's uh, uh, Chuck Berghofer, Frank Sinatra's bass player, uh, Mike Lang on the piano, who played for Frank Sinatra's retirement concert. We had... Um, Greg Field, a um, drummer who toured with Frank Sinatra. Uh, but in addition, we had some wonderful young musicians um, who were new on the jazz scene. Um, and Wayne Bergeron, the trumpet, famous trumpeter. So, so there's a legacy of great musicians. And, and I wanted the songs not just to be stuck in that genre, but to, you know, I've brought in, like I said, there's five originals that, that sound like, the standards and arrange like that. but there's also some pop songs um like it's not unusual or um, uh, um for your lover gives some time which is by a british song called richard hawley from a band called pulp um but again the treatment we've given it sounds like possibly i don't know somebody like harry connick jr yeah vintage vibe kind of yeah there you go vintage vibe couldn't have said it better yeah it's that sort of um that sort of thing
0: yeah, it sounds amazing. And I mean, obviously, too, to be at Capitol, where I think Sinatra recorded there several times, obviously. To be in those studios doing that music, is just, it must have been so exciting.
1: It really was. And there's a video, I, I'm going to plug the video here. There's a video for an Englishman in Love in LA, and it, uh, we shot it at Capitol. Um, in Studio A, I think we shot it. So there's Studio A and Studio B. We recorded the album in Studio B, which was his, you know, Frank Sinatra's studio um but we um uh we shot the, the video in studio a and outside and oh it's great it tells a great story check it out
0: well, um who were you know uh, growing up i mean along with sinatra who were other, some of your other influences and favorite favorite vocalists, musicians
1: i and i had a really weird taste growing up as a teenager i'm not me, to me too <laughs> <laughs> you know i was i was into anything and everything i was into obscure artists i i remember being as a teenager listening to dave brubeck Ella Fitzgerald, and then I sort of went into Supertramp and um, uh, and, um, Spirogyra and um, sort of Kate Bush. And sort of, I was always interested in the slightly unusual. Like, like I've never been one for, oh, this is the latest record, let's all go buy it. Um, So I've had quite an eclectic taste. And and yeah, I, I would say, even as a young man in my young 20s, I was listening to jazz or classical music. Um um as well as I don't know, I'm up for the carpenters as much as any man is. Yeah. You know, you can't beat Karen Carpenter. Yeah, you know? we're actually What's we're actually mean?
0: really similar because I was. I mean I, I like John Denver. I
1: like <laughs> yeah,
0: I like at Spyro go. I, to I I've talked to those guys. Actually Tom, the keeper player lives here in Vegas. Um, oh, listen, yeah. So it's uh that's one thing great about living in Vegas because there's a lot of people that live here that you wouldn't necessarily suspect do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we're gonna have to get you out here too that would be great i'd
1: love to i'd love to come and perform in Vegas. yeah we any, should, anytime. yeah
0: we'll get you. We'll, maybe we'll get you with um danny falcone of any son he has actually you know it's interesting he has all the Sinatra arrangements um wow yeah we've we just recently talked about that um, what
1: i'll i'll tell him i'll, I'll bring the
0: tuxedo oh <laughs> yeah, yeah he's a he's a sweet guy too um tell me um you know, you you've had uh, a lot of experience as an artist, as a young artist, and what what's your advice to people that not only want to be singers, but just young artists and, and recording artists? What what's some of the things that you've learned that that really stand out to you?
1: Honestly and truly, the best advice I could give anybody is you've got to do it for the love. You've got to do it for the love. You've got to work, and it's. And that's not a popular thing to say nowadays, that, that that we live in this day and age of instant fame, you know, with people on their phones and TikTok and Instagram. And people get these, you know, this instant acknowledgement. I'm so old-fashioned in the sense that all I know is that I had to learn to sing by singing, you know, hour after hour, week after week, month after month, and getting in the car and touring and doing gigs and doing gigs. And- on and on and on, because that's the way you learn your craft. But it's also the love of it, you know? Um, I remember times where as a performer, you know, I- I've I've maybe done a gig in some funny place and who knows where. But you'll turn to each other at the end of the session and go, like, that was a nice gig, man. And there's something so rewarding in of itself. So honestly and truly, um, you gotta love it. You've got to have the burn. You've got to, you got to want to do it for the work. Don't do it. Please don't do it for the fame or for the glory or for the money. Because none of those things matter. They the work is the work is what matters. And if you can embrace that, you'll then be in a position to withstand the hardships and the sacrifices and the pain. And the getting it wrong before you get it right i i just am very old-fashioned about it and yeah,
0: it's a journey i mean that's the thing and, and like you know if you find fame and fortune that's it's i mean it's so rare uh but you still have to at the end of the day like you said i mean we've all done those gigs where it's like yeah it wasn't the best gig but we had a great time
1: <laughs> yes absolutely yeah. absolutely you know um and i think Uh, You know what it is as well in this life, I'm getting a little metaphysical now, but, you know, to be able to put your head on the pillow at night or at the end of your years or day and think, that was fun. That was, I really, you know what? Might not, I don't want to be the richest corpse in the graveyard. It would be nice, but that's not why I live. Right. um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, you want to to feel like you made a difference, right? That's, that's, I think, I think think that most artists feel that way. And that if you're true to yourself and, and also too, I think people will find, you will find your audience. Yeah. If you work at your craft and you and you you do the work, people will find you,
1: you know. They will. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, speaking of finding you, um tell us um your website and your social media how can people locate
1: you? Yes, um uh, www.richardshelton.co.uk uh, in other words .co.uk so it's .co.uk or on Instagram it's um it's Richard Sheldon. Or Richard Shelton on Facebook. That that you'll find me in one of those good places.
0: Awesome, yeah, and we will put your links on the uh, podcast episode and then also on the um, on the video. So we release these videos get released on our music pages in Europe. We have uh, Music Crowns in London, which has about four point five million followers, and then we have uh, Bass and Guitar Love in Italy, which has another two point five million, and and then we're also on all the all the usual podcast outlets. So. Um, people will definitely uh, be able to find your website on there. And uh, I thank you so much for joining me. I, you know, I know you're very busy and uh, you're kind of jumping around like we were just talking about. I'm going to be in London, but you just came from London. <laughs> yeah. So it's the kind of the crazy world that we live in. Um, do, you have anything- do you know
1: what? I, I'm, I'm very, I, must, I must just say this. It, it is a bit, and I'm, I'm sort of over the jet lag now, but I'm so grateful to be able to get on a plane again. I'm so it's great.
0: I know, and they just dropped all the restrictions in the yeah. UK, yeah. so that's a win. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, awesome, well, thank you, Richard, and and everybody, please, um, please find Richard's album, "An Englishman in Love in LA." Sounds great. I got a, the pre-release copy, and I really, really enjoyed that. Um thank you. And I and I I don't just say that; I actually mean it. <laughs> thank
1: you very much. I really appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you're most welcome. Thank you so much, Richard. Um, have an awesome day, and and tell your um, your publicist thank you
1: for all her work.
0: It's very appreciated.
1: I will indeed. Have a great, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on our social media channels for upcoming guest announcements and keep up with the latest at musictribesunite.news.